Hello, you are listening to No Such Word as Can't with me, Hazel McBride. I was always told growing up that there was no such word as can't, and I genuinely believe that that mentality instilled a belief in me that anything was possible if I just set my mind to it. As someone who started off with a seemingly impossible dream and somehow made it my reality, I want to help more people achieve their goals by giving them actionable advice, as well as sharing stories from others who have done the same. Today, we get to chat to one of the youngest members of Team England and now Commonwealth Games bronze medalist, Charlie McIntyre. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. You are more than welcome. I cannot wait for everyone to hear your story and your experience. Have you come down a little bit from your success? Um, yes, I know a little bit. Um, you know, it's all kind of happened very quickly. Um, and straight after the the Commonwealth, I was literally the day we left the village, I was straight down to Worcester, um, where like a big junior competition is held across a weekend so you know there there was a few young kids who were obviously like oh that's him and all that so it was a bit like wow um and obviously then having to be serious and playing in another tournament straight after was quite uh quite tough so I didn't really get to really soak everything in too much because obviously we had a bit of a celebration once we won the medal but then I had to come down quite quickly to get ready to play again um but then after that, uh, I think I've I think it's all coming back down now. How are you adjusting to that? You know, going from being just another basketball player to now, oh my god, Team England, you've had the success. People know your name. You know, not just in the sport, but like in general, people in the UK yeah. now know your right, name yeah, and, your, on, and your teammates. Yeah, well, like I was saying, I was on holiday, um, and like a little kid came up to me, talked to me about how I played and all this and that Aww. and that was like he was a young boy it must have been around I'd say between five and seven and he just comes out of absolutely nowhere and starts saying how oh you played basketball you've done this and this and I was like wow like I'm in a random hotel in Tenerife and like people kind of could know who I am and in the airport mm -hmm. obviously because I'm a wheelchair user you have to get the ambulance um, services to get onto the airplane um mm. And like the people there who was helping me get on knew me. And it was like, wow, <laughs> um, you know, I'm not just a kid who plays basketball anymore. Like people actually know, but that's where like, I want to use a bit of my, I don't, I wouldn't say I have a platform yet, but I don't think I'm, I'm that big time, but I use my like position as a person who's still very young and um, is relatable to juniors to help them develop and help other people get into sport because it does help in like so many different ways. Yeah, I think that's incredible. You know, you, like you've said, you've already had quite the journey in getting into your sport and rising within it, you know, even yeah. though you are still only 17. Um, you know, you just mentioned that you are in a wheelchair for any of my users who who don't really know who you are. You were diagnosed with a hip condition when you were aged six. So you yeah. haven't always been a wheelchair user. How did that begin to impact your life in the early years after your diagnosis? Well, so if if I even just take it before I was six, I was a very active child. Um, I loved running and I loved playing football. Like football, I would be out in my garden as soon as I finished school. Every break and lunchtime at, at like my preschool, I'd be playing football. When I went to mm -hmm. primary school, every lunch was football. Every after school was football. I was football crazy. Um, so then obviously 
you know, I didn't get diagnosed straight away. Mm-hmm. My diagnosis was a bit of like, not, it was, a, it was quite an over, overlonged, uh, prolonged, sorry, process. Mm-hmm. Like um, the hospital weren't sure what I had wrong with me. They kind of said it was a sprain, which my mum and dad had let get too bad. And mm. a lot of blame was kind of put on my mum and dad for what's happened. Um, and obviously that's quite hard to hear, even when you yeah. are young. It's just, I know my mum and dad like would do anything for me and they would not put me in a position where like I'm getting worse um mm-hmm. but I noticed I couldn't run for as long I was in pain after training I'd be up all night crying in pain um so I went back to the hospital and that's when they did diagnose me so obviously going from a, a person who's playing football pretty much for eight hours probably eight hours a day mm-hmm. up until I have to go to bed um to then all right, you can play a bit of football, but then you've got to go and sit down. Um, so then getting older, you're not playing football anymore. You're not running. <laughs> like, you know, it it was tough, but I'm quite lucky that I got into wheelchair basketball very quickly. Mm. Um, it was only about a year or two after my diagnosis where I, I got into a new sport. So the first few months were very hard and like I did gain quite a bit of weight. So obviously going from really active to then sitting there doing nothing, it it has its effect. Of course. Um, but I was really, really lucky that I got into it straight away. Um, and that was really just out of potluck. Did you feel like that, you know, obviously children in general are very resilient. You know, they they tend to adapt really well to, to new situations. But that is a huge life change, you know, for any, even for people who weren't active previously. Yeah. You know, that's a massive thing to deal with. Did you feel like having basketball there kind of gave you that back well I think I'm a very very competitive person so (laughs) I I I love the challenge and I love like it's either I'm gonna win or like I'm gonna I'm either gonna make them lose or I've got to then go away get better to make them lose next time yeah like I hate losing I'm a pretty bad well no I'm not a bad loser but (laughs) you don't like it yeah I really don't um and then so I've kind of always had that like nature in me where like sport is is what I love doing you know even if it wasn't football at primary school I'd try and go into all the teams I could and I was always trying different things so I've always had that kind of sport thing and then basketball just I think where I could do it all because obviously all primary school I didn't go to like uh like a special need primary I went to a mainstream primary school so I was there was one other disabled girl in my year and that was it but she wasn't sporty so I was the only disabled person in the school who was sporty and had an interest so obviously them trying to adapt to to me was difficult um so when I was at basketball and everyone's the same everyone's in a wheelchair or everyone's got some kind of impairment you're all on an equal playing field so mm. you don't have to make that adaption or it's not like an added stress me trying to play it's everyone's in the same position and we're all playing because we want to and we enjoy it I mean maybe it helped as well because I always had a mindset that there's always worse things that could happen you know like yes I love playing football and and all this but you know, it it wasn't life threatening. I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I'm doing all right for myself, and that's that's what like it's got me along. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'm not dying. I'm, so my legs don't work as good as they used to. It is what it is. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's always relative. You know, I think you're definitely allowed to, and I'm sure you've had moments in your life as well where it's really got you down and you've really struggled with it. Of course. Um, but yeah, I think it is incredibly inspirational for yourself and others who have stories like yours of 
overcoming this obstacle and kind of embracing it and going you know what I'm gonna make the best of it and find what I can thrive doing um how was it in those early years that you spoke about you loving sport when you were in school how did you find that you adapted and how other people you know maybe your friends teachers etc adapted to making space for you in those environments my primary school were absolutely amazing with me like they maybe because it was a primary school like maybe we all thought it was really competitive back then because we're all young kids maybe it really wasn't competitive but it was more of a let's get everyone involved situation but like they my PE teacher there couldn't have done anything more to try and get me involved um you know if if to say the football team they'd let me go along to the the sessions and like yeah I wouldn't play maybe but I was allowed to watch and like put my input in um which obviously that even just that is getting involved yes I'm not doing anything physically but I'm still being connected and because all my friends were sporty as well all my friends were in the sports team so I wasn't being left out with my friends because they're going Mm. off playing football and then it's like oh yeah he's not coming to play football like I was just different um and again I was really lucky my friend group that they were all I've been I had the same group of friends the whole way through and I'm still friends with most of them now so they've all kind of grew up knowing me as like in the wheelchair or having to you know use the crutches or some kind of aid to help um so I guess that's lucky as well some some people it takes a little bit of adjusting to get used to because obviously it's even little things like an entrance to a shop there might be stairs and I might have to go the long way round to a ramp so Mm -hmm. it's all it's all relative but I'm really lucky that Touchwood so far all my friends have been really great with the wheelchair um when I went to secondary school I wouldn't say the school were bad with the wheelchair, but they wasn't great. There was a few lessons what they said I couldn't, like, for instance, like business studies and food tech, they were all upstairs at my school. Mm. So I weren't allowed to do them because they were upstairs. Um, so they were they were not as great, if I'm honest. Um, and even PE lessons, it, a lot of it was you sitting there watching. Yeah. Like, whereas obviously my primary school, they tried to do anything to get me involved. It was more... Yeah of a backstep approach when I went to secondary school um which I think sometimes that was frustrating especially because I knew about my basketball then as well so I knew that like right I can play basketball and I'm yeah. I'm good at it so like let me show you that I'm good at it let me play let me join in and I'm not any different to any of the other children when at least playing basketball but it's it's about not excluding people right you know yeah. and just making those little adaptations to to make everyone feel involved you yeah. know regardless of your abilities you know do you think that at your secondary school a lot of it was also class size you know because a lot of secondary schools have a larger number of pupils or do you feel that it was lack of resources that were available um, to help them help you lack of like time to think about because it, it, it like anything that I could do doesn't take that much adapting realistically like if they're doing athletics I can push around the track in a wheelchair yeah if they're doing a throwing event yes I won't be able to do the run-up for a javelin for instance but I can sit there and throw a javelin yeah. I can sit there and throw a shot put disc I can do everything like nothing actually takes that much adapting but mm-hmm. obviously you just have to put a bit more thought into it um and I think my secondary school it wasn't a big secondary school but they loved runners so mm. they were like because again it wasn't a school which was used to people with disabilities there it was always right you're a runner we like you you're gonna do this and this and this you're gonna run in the nationals you're gonna do this and that and everything was about running or football so obviously okay. them two things is what I exactly can't do yeah um, 
and with nothing being put in place at a school level where the same children can compete against each other in mm-hmm. nationals or something like it does there is that exclusion but um you know until i think more people start going through the school system so they have to put something in place like it's always going to be like because people don't know what to do until they're like it's face to face with them and they've got a disabled child there who wants to play sport doesn't want to just sit there because that was my thing like you know some people might have been happy to miss PE not have to do a run but I was wanted to get involved and like you know sport was the thing I enjoyed most um so sometimes it was a bit challenging especially I found when it comes to when we were playing basketball because basketball was like in my opinion that was my sport like Mm -hmm. there was only one other kid who actually played basketball like at a proper level in my whole school and now he's playing at a good level at college um so like for me that was always hard because I was always left like I wouldn't be allowed to join in I'd be sat at a hoop by myself or sometimes not even allowed to join in in a sport which like I know I can do and that's one sport which like athletics and that I might be absolutely rubbish at it because I've never done it but basketball I knew that that was my thing so that was really frustrating but then you know if they've never had a disabled person before they never know how to deal with it so until like there is some kind of training or like people have to make that extra thought about it like nothing really is going to change because it's always going to be the second fault yeah I think it would be a really good idea for you know all secondary schools or even primary schools to have some sort of protocol or you know some sort of like folder that they can refer to that's been made up by wheelchair users or deaf people or blind people you know to say if you have a child who has this kind of disability who's coming to your school here are the things that you can do to keep them included and to push them but you know you've mentioned that you did have basketball even though it wasn't at school so you still felt very involved had a sense of community and competition what was that like growing up and realizing that you actually wanted to get serious about the sport with me uh, a lot of a lot of young people who get into basketball they start against playing against people their own age where so the way I got into basketball is a disabled wheelchair racer um called Richard Cesaro who all credit to him because he's the reason why I'm here now um he'd come into my primary school to do the talk and offered like he he's a, he's a wheelchair racer but he runs an athletics club and a basketball club because he plays basketball also mm-hmm. so he invited me along to the basketball so I've always trained against fully grown adults whether that's men or women I've always trained against full size when I was a little like seven-year-old I was against oh my goodness the big, so I've always kind of had I've had to be tough mm-hmm. and I've always then I've had to get better because if I'm playing against full grown adults by the time I'm like 10, I have to be good to play against them. Like mm-hmm. I can't just like, you can't, there's only a certain amount of time you get away with being the cute little kid who's training. And if he's bad, no one cares because he's cute. You yeah. know, there's only a certain amount of time you get away with, but then you have to be good. So I've always trained against men. So then when I started playing against kids my age, that's when I realized like, wow, like I'm, I'm, I'm not too bad at this. Like, you know, training against the men I think was the best thing possible and if anyone out there like is getting into wheelchair basketball I would try and go to the sessions against fully grown adults because it gets you that toughness and it gets you like it gets you the skill set quicker in my opinion because you have to do it yeah you don't really have a choice against like your own age like for instance like little kids playing against each other no one cares about the quality of basketball because it's just little kids playing basketball so they're not too worried about you learning all the skills because that like it is all about the fun element which that is the most important element but then if you want to get serious you have to have the skills um 
So like then when I started playing against children of my own age and that, it was like, wow, like I'm actually quite good. I, like the, these children are quite far behind, like in terms of speed and like strength wise, like they were all behind me. Um, and then a few things happened with like the basketball league where it meant that even though it was a junior competition, I was too young. You had to be 13 and I was like 10 or 12. Mm. Uh, it was between, I was 10 or 11. Uh, so I had to miss like two seasons out, which, like to play against in the adult league, you have to be 14. So then I couldn't play junior league. I couldn't play in the national league. I was kind of stuck where I was just training. Um, so then again, it was like more of time. was just training, training. Then I get to start playing again. And then when you go back to playing, it's like, wow, I've come along this way. Um, and obviously when you're playing people, you know who's really good and who's not so mm -hmm. good. So then there's people in my age group who I know are my competition and you know, right, like oh they were better than me that tournament but now I've just done that against them so like am I getting better and it was always kind of cases like that where right I'm, I'm improving um and then I started to play National League so then everything kind of just started picturing together once you get that age it's just obviously the starting off is quite hard to get into the door um if you are just trying to like just do the leisure play every Saturday and just relax you know where me I was training twice a week from the beginning against mm -hmm. full grown adults I've always had that like right I've got to be better than that person and you know that's really helped it's almost kind of fitting then that you ended up on the Commonwealth Games team as the youngest member playing yeah. with people who were 15 years your senior yeah you know what was what was that like did it feel intimidating or did you just feel like that's what you've always done um see I think it would have been intimidating if we didn't have such a good group of players and staff. Mm. Um, you know, like Lee Manning, for instance, um, one of our teammates, like he, he's, he's not even that old. He's 32. So he's not old by any means, but obviously Please, compared yeah, to I'm, I'm 29 here. Like I'm not far off. <laughs> That's definitely not old. <laughs> but like compared to the rest of us, obviously he's got yeah. a few years yeah. on us. Um, but like, you know, he, he's been there and done it in wheelchair basketball. He's mm. done Paralympics, Worlds, Europeans. He's playing professionally. Like, he's done everything there is for a wheelchair basketball player. So to have him around, he's going to have a lot of advice. He, he was, like, not mentoring, but I'd say guiding us through the whole tournament. Mm -hmm. Like, he was setting a standard for how we need to act and how we need to be. So we followed that. Um, and I think having that in place really helped. And then our coaches, um, so Lucas, he's quite young. He's he's only like 22 or maybe 23. So he was quite young, but that helped because we could relate to him more. So yeah. he weren't a coach who was really authoritative and it's my way or no way. He listened to us and he was part of our like just chill time discussions as well. He weren't just a coach who he coaches us, he goes home and then we go off. We was all together. And then the other coach, Matt, he... He was slightly older, but he he's just as fun and like like childish as everyone else. Uh, you know, we all kind of got along as a group. So then we was all there to help each other. And if one of us needed help, it was easy to go to because we were all like quite a, a good close group. Nice. And, you know, the first Commonwealth Games, obviously you'd kind of been aiming for that because you were taking the sport so seriously. What was it like going to your first Commonwealth Games and also home games as well? Uh, it was it was quite surreal. I had a bit of a moment just bef uh, the day before our first game against South Africa. Um, we was training and 
where the training court is, you kind of overlook the city of Birmingham. So you mm -hmm. see all the buildings and like the main attractions, not attractions, but the main big buildings in Birmingham. Um, so it was kind of a bit, because we had a game the next day, it wasn't an intense training session. It was just a shooting session to get in touch in. So I kind of spent the last 15 minutes leaning across on the back barrier, just like looking at everything. Cause that was my like surreal moment where it's like, I'm here. Um, Cause before then I didn't know how to handle it. I was kind of, I didn't feel like it was that big of a deal. And then when I got there, I was like, wow. Um, you know, and then I was thinking of my mom and dad, like my mom and dad, especially my dad has sacrificed so much for me to get here. Um, so I live in Essex, which is down the south of England. And I was playing the half of last season up in Yorkshire, which is four hours away. And my dad was driving me there to every game. Like, you know, for until April, we spent one weekend at home, which when my dad's work all the time in the week, then he's traveling on a Friday night to this place to stay over Friday, Saturday, come back Sunday, work mm -hmm. in the next morning. Like it gets challenging for him as well. So that was my moment where I was like, I'm repaying my mum and my dad for putting yeah. so much work into me. Um, and then going out on that call, when you hear your name called, it was like, wow, that was the most exciting bit. I think like the playing basketball was good, but like the way I see it in my head is basketball is basketball whether I'm playing basketball in a park or like at a tournament it is I am still playing basketball it's the same game but you don't play a game in the park in front of 2,500 people like that was incredible because like you said we were the whole nation a lot of that support was for us yeah so like having family in the stand friends people who I know coming to watch seeing them in the stand playing it was I, I don't actually know how to like fully describe it as just mental and what was it like as well you know I personally was a swimmer which is kind of a more solitary sport you know yes you have team elements with the relays etc and when you go away to competitions you have that team environment but basketball is really in its essence a massive team game um so what was it like for you yeah. to to be such a team player and also then be part of team England you know not just your basketball team but just the larger you know game uh, team that went to the games well I like I kind of uh, mentioned before we were a quite a good close group um and even like with the there's always kind of a bit of like a thing and I don't know if it just happens in basketball or in other sports where it's the men's team and then there's the women's team and they don't mix and it, there's no relationship there but at this tournament and the senior players were saying this as well it was the first time that the men and women it was like we were one group you know, we trained together, we watched each other, we like we went through everything kind of together. And that was at the other camps, that was at the games, it was at the whole process. We was mm -hmm. kind of like, even though it was right, us five and you five, it was kind of as a 10, which that was quite nice because uh, like a few of the women who I'm friends with, it was like we could speak to them and we was all, it, it, again, we was just a close group. So that was nice. And then obviously the whole of Team England, um, we, we didn't maybe speak to that many people, but the people who we did speak to were lovely. And um, like, you know, you do, have, for instance, when we was waiting for the opening ceremony, the closing ceremony, like there is that massive community, yeah. like feeling where you're all there for the same reason. You're all there and you're all having fun, um, which obviously it was an amazing thing to be a part of, especially when the games was a homes game. Like, I might never Go, or I might never go to a big games in the rest of my career and I can possibly never do a home games again so to then tick two things off the list yeah. where I, I think that brought everyone together so much more because it it's it's in our own like 
uh, country and yeah. you know we've all got our family watching us it's so accessible to anyone to watch and that was quite incredible yeah I can imagine you know it gives you such a massive advantage knowing that the people that are watching you are there for you you know it's your your team's support is just right there for you what was it like that final match that decided you're gonna get the bronze um it was quite a weird game because obviously the night before we just lost the semi-final and we lost in such like a brutal way, like in <laughs> overtime by one point, it was really hard to take. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I gave my phone to my to our physio for that night just because anytime I'd look at my phone, I'd just start crying again because seeing people like who took their time to watch me and then like in my head, I'd let them down kind of thing. Not maybe me specifically, but it's like everyone's put that effort into watch us and we've just failed at the last hurdle. Um, so I think and as a group we all took it very hard um, we all showed it in different ways and we all was less open and more open about it and we all dealt with it differently but it all did hit us really hard so then knowing that we had to pick ourselves up for back for the next day you know it could have went really one or two ways I mean I'm quite lucky that in my head when we lost that semi-final on the coach back I was like right we uh, so in 3x3 basketball if you, it's either whoever wins in 10 minutes or if you get to 21 the game stops so mm. I was like right we're 21 of them tomorrow like because in my opinion we were the best team in the tournament I know we didn't get gold so you could say well you weren't but if we played any of the teams 10 times we'd win nine of them yeah and I genuinely handle my heart believe that um so for me it was like right I want to go out there and I want to show people that we are the best team in the tournament that like show them what we can do because the night before we didn't play well, mm-hmm. you know, we played well all tournament. Then the game where we, the the only game, which well, the semi-final cup, one of the most important games of the whole tournament, besides whether you getting a gold or a bronze or, or I know there's the silver, but um, like, so I, we just kind of, we all let ourselves down because we didn't play as well as we had done the whole tournament. And so I was like, right, we've got to show what we can do, show that we're, we're not, we're coming bronze, yeah, but we're not, we shouldn't be. Like, we're, get, we're getting that goal next time round. Yeah. Um, and I think because I think I had a bit of that fighting spirit, that got everyone else up for it just because I was so determined we were getting 21 and then we did. So then it all was just perfect, really. Everything fell into place. We all played really well. Um, and then when that final buzzer went, even though it weren't the colour medal we wanted, like, it did not matter. Um, to simply come away with something was just phenomenal and you know it would have been devastating if we went into that game and lost because then you've done all that hard work for that many months to then not come away with nothing um so to just go and then get called out of the podium to receive that medal with the uh duchess of west sussex giving it to us it was just like and my family were right in front of us so i was i could see them and Mm -hmm. quite like an emotional moment really I can imagine and you know I'm sure it's not the end for you and I'm sure this is not going to be your last ever games and I'm sure you're going to go on to incredible things but what kind of advice would you give to young people out there who potentially do have a disability who potentially are up against you know difficulties that the majority of people themselves don't face what kind of advice would you give to them? Uh, I would say just throw yourself at something like whether that is sport you have a passion for or art or music whatever is your like forte and what you have a bit of a passion and interest in 
like don't be afraid to to hold back like go all out or something try it um and indulge yourself like everything now in my life is basketball um well I'm, I'm a big fan of watching football so me and my dad have got season tickets we go and watch football and except from that it's either football or basketball you know um it's when's my next training session when i'm next doing this 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 and you like wrap yourself around in that world gain as much knowledge as you can read as many things watch as many things as you can um and just don't be scared to let yourself fully get involved in something because if you if you don't fully get involved in something you'll never know if that's for you um and it's so important i think having something to drive you on for especially when i think like maybe your back's up against the wall with a disability there is only so many things you can do mm-hmm. but if you've got that passion you don't worry about oh I've got a disability it's because like you know if you if you're passionate about say art just because you're disabled that doesn't mean your art's any less worthy of an able-bodied person's art Absolutely. like you know all these little communities bring so many people together break down barriers in all kinds of ways not just with disability but with race uh, sexuality all kinds of things like sport music and art are so important to break down these barriers in general not just like for yourself um and it's not until people see all these different things and they see right oh just because this person's in a wheelchair they st- they still can do that or just because i don't know they're they're not a heterosexual like they oh that means they can't do that no like we're all the same people really and we all we're all doing the same thing. We're all doing the same goal. Like basketball, it doesn't matter if you're a, a a white person playing basketball, black person playing basketball. We're all playing basketball. You know, we're all trying to shoot a ball into a hoop. So that brings us all together. And it's not that conflict of oh, you're this, you're that. Like it doesn't matter. Um, I think that's where, like we as like athletes, and maybe this is what I want to do with like my thing in the future is to break down the barriers just out of life because sport is one thing but there is still life where people are put down just because they're certain something mm-hmm. but then with sport and all like the other things that doesn't happen so why when you get out of that thing does it still happen yeah. um so like you know using what we have using our like social platforms and all things like that like, we can break down the barriers then the next charlie mcintyre who's a wheelchair boston player who's eight years old like he doesn't have to face the oh he's in a wheelchair he can't do anything at school like, yeah. like we can create that pathway for people to succeed so like we should all be doing that to make people who are better than us like you know as much as yeah it'd be cool like to say you're the best at something like there's always people who could be better and you i, I want to make people better so then people have got pathways and corridors for their own life um because not everything's just about me and my dream you know <laughs> like we've got we, I've got like I, I want to give back so for instance in my local area there's nothing for disabled people in terms of sport the closest thing is 45 minutes away and that's where I started playing basketball and again relating back to my mum and dad they were there prepared to take me every Saturday morning to take me to training yeah. some parents haven't got the funds to drive 45 minutes don't have a car Uh, or have got a few other children to look after that they can't put all their day into taking someone Mm -hmm. to play basketball or whatever so like I want to create sport things around my local area for people to go to and like so that's my way of giving back and I think that's what we all need to try and do to create that pathway for everyone else because then everyone can succeed and whether people want to take it seriously or not that's not the point the the fun element is more important than being competitive 
obviously if you're good at something you have to be competitive but just because I'm competitive about something don't mean I still want to have fun like if I'm not having fun I don't want to play basketball I play basketball because I'm having fun and then absolutely the winning is the like is a is a very nice bonus at the end of it but if if you then lose and you're not having fun then it's literally pointless playing where if you're having fun it doesn't matter if you lose win and that's what's important for the future generations because oh, I say future generations I'm still going to be in a future yep. generation hopefully <laughs> but like you know we've got to create them doors for everyone else to play because it doesn't matter if you're trying to be the next Paralympic gold medalist or you want to play once a week on a Saturday just for fun and some new friends like that's just as important as someone else's dream but we have to create that pathway for them Absolutely. I think that's fantastic. You know, creating opportunities for everyone. But Charlie, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to sit down uh, with me today and chat about all of this. Well, thank you very much for having me. I've, uh, I've had a great time. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, then please don't forget to rate and subscribe. Sharing on social media is always a bonus and I will catch you guys next week.